and we are um, going to, we're just doing some fun stuff here. Um, but this MSP for NOLA is a great fundraiser because it's people helping people. And a lot of people may have forgotten about, you know, the uh, affected people down in uh, NOLA, New Orleans. But I think a lot of people are, uh, we are doing some fun stuff up, up here to help them down there. So um, I do want to also mention, while I can, that we have the very big uh, Smoke Out Festival happening on Sunday at MSP or at Alliance Field. And we have talked about this, you guys. I know a lot. So... Um, I just want to remind you guys and let you know that you can buy tickets. Um, you can buy tickets at the door. And so if you are kind of waffling and you're thinking, you know, maybe, I don't know, am I going to go? Uh, you can decide that's, you know, tomorrow morning. But I'm just going to tell you, they are raffling off grills. I did not know this. We are raffling off meat. We're going to have a whole hog, you know, butchery demonstration from, um, you know, the Top Chef contestants who were who are pals with Justin. And they are, uh, they're going to, we're going to raffle off that stuff. But Elizabeth, you got, no. And, um, and then we're going to, uh, we're going to raffle off, uh, Grills. Weber is raffling off grills. I'm not kidding you. This is kind of an awesome thing. Not only that, obviously, we're going to have all this barbecue from so many great places. You know, we've kind of hit around the metro, and um, it's uh, um, it's going to be a really good time. And 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 like for instance, we got these guys from ZZQ in Egan, which they have their chicken wings that are so. Um, they're so plump and they're so smoky and yet they're so dry rub and they've got a sauce bar coming with them. And then we've got like uh brisket from storm King, which is that place in North Oop. Um, and then we have, uh, God, there's so much, there's a whole hog. I know for sure that the Mr. Pig stuff, the guys from Shakopee, they've got a whole hog going. I think there's a couple of those. And so we're just going to have so much beautiful barbecue and smokiness. And there's going to be like all sorts of, um, of sips that you can have too because we have craft beer we have prize which is a local brewing company and they're going to have if you buy a vip ticket which is 125 bucks and i gotta tell you it's kind of worth it because not only do you get you know your first beer for free which is great but you also get in an hour earlier this is the key here people an hour earlier is what you get when you don't want to fight off the lines and you kind of want to get the best barbecue um, cause you want to get it first. <laughs> and then there's also a sweet swag bag with VIP that includes like spices and like actual grill tongs and like not just pamphlets, which when you get a VIP swag bag and it's full of paper and like maybe like lip balm, I get a little, I get a little tweaky. I kind of feel like that's not it, you know? So I'm excited. I heard about the swag bags and there's like little samples of booze in there and there's all, um, there's all sorts of good things in there. So that's your VIP. It's 125 bucks. You can do that one. You can come at noon. And if you want to get in, just come up. You can do that. But if you want to go, just stroll over 85 bucks again. All you can eat, you guys. I mean, like you can stand at the hog and just kind of go, as uh, Steve said the other day, hog wild. I know it was pretty funny. So anyway, that's happening. You know, I know it's the marathon this weekend. So I hope a lot of you guys are just you know, stretching and getting game day ready for that because I know a lot of our dishers are also marathoners and it's kind of one of those things where, of course, it's because we all like to eat and that's how we do this. Because if, you know, it's like marathoning is one of those things. Like, I know that I'm a runner who basically wants to uh, think about how many cheeseburgers I can get in because I've just run my Sunday run day four miles. So 
That's definitely what I think about when I run. I don't know about you guys, um, but that is kind of, you know, I don't know. And I, I don't know. Actually, I've never run a marathon. We all know Hanson has run plenty of marathons. <clears throat> but the thing is, I don't know if I could actually just run for four hours. I, I think about that one. For me, it would be like six to eight. Let's be clear. But I do think about that. Like, what would I be thinking about the whole time? I used to jump in on the marathon with a bunch of friends who would do it. And I would be the monkey, you know, that I would just like keep the company for a mile or two. In fact, one of my friends, I accidentally jumped in on the end of the marathon with her and I accidentally finished. I did not. I got caught. You know what I mean? Like you have to jump out. This is a warning for anyone who's just running alongside. You do have to jump out before you get into those corrals. Um because it's uh, it's definitely gonna you if you finish if you cross the finish line they yelled at me they totally yelled at me and they told me that I stole a time from somebody else so um, do we have Elizabeth yet no nope okay um, and so she uh, so basically it's um, it was one of those cases where I felt really bad about finishing the marathon but then again it was like I mean somebody like we were not in the top tier like nobody was qualifying for Boston. In the time frame that we were finishing. So there's that. But um, good luck to all of you guys out there. And I would not, I will not steal your time. I promise that. So, because I'm not jumping in. But I do love the fact that everybody along the route is just cheering. And I think maybe I could run for six hours or four hours or five hours if I did that. If there was enough people cheering and I felt like, you know, it was a good thing. Anyway, I, I, I know that the big thing is carbo loading before the marathon. But now I hear that people are not carbo loading as much like it used to be i remember we would do this whole like you know big pasta night before and now i feel like that's sort of not the deal but i would tell you if you were going to eat a big pasta dinner i would say i would splurge and go to bar la grassa and eat a bunch of squidding pasta and actually i would probably end up eating <clears throat> you know the gnocchi because those are so good there um and then i would say that uh I don't know where else I would probably go. Well, for pasta, I think, you know, I'd probably go to Broder's. I would definitely go to Broder's. And I would um, totally take in a huge plate of the Vongolet. I am a big clams girl. I don't know if you guys know this, but every once in a while, I get very cravy on clam, white clam pasta. And I don't know why. I don't know where it comes from. It's not like I grew up with it. But I did work for Buka for a lot of years. So that's probably part of it. Um, okay, you guys, we are going to, I made it through that first segment by myself. Thank you for hanging with me. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm just hoping that, uh, Elizabeth is in line for it and maybe we'll get Hanson on the phone. Maybe we won't. We'll see. We'll give you, uh, we'll give you a chance to tune in and find out. We'll be right back. This is the weekly dish brought to you by, uh, Hornitos and Knob Creek. Hey everybody, welcome back to the weekly dish. I'm Steph March. I have Elizabeth Reese here. I'm here. Ryan to the rescue. Ryan, thank you so much for stepping in, man. Listen, Mercury's in retrograde. You can't trust what's going on um, physically, emotionally, technologically, anything right now. I know. It's a real deal. There have been all sorts of just weird things happening all week. You know, it's true. I went to the bank in Wells Fargo and they were like, oh, the Hopkins Bank is closed. Like, oh, geez. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Brian, where are you from? Like, what's, where do you, where are you supposed to be doing right now? So I'm supposed to be working score right now, just uh, <laughs> monitoring the ESPN broadcast. But, uh, yeah, I was just over there, you know, just casually working. And Did then, you hear me crying or panicking? Or and then what, what happened? happened? Were there alarm bells going off yeah, in the well, building? Yeah, well, I heard, I heard the, the thing go off. And the I was beeping like, thing. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I got to see what's going on. And, <laughs> and no one was over here. And I was like, oh, like, geez. So, you guys don't understand. Yeah. I'm sitting in the one studio and I see a light was flashing and there's a there's a beeping and I'm like, that's got to be bad. That's, I bet that's.
that's not supposed to happen. Like yeah, something's concept. burning. The timer's going off, and no one's getting what needs. No, to yeah, come the out cookies the were definitely burning, oh, and I was gosh. talking about random things. So thank you for everyone who hung in with me. And you held you down Brian. the fort so beautifully. I was texting you like when you were talking about <laughs> pasta suggestions of what to get before you run a marathon. I was like, Moochies, say Moochies. Moochies has great pasta too. Oh my god, it was just. You got it. We are in the game. Take a deep breath. Okay, take, take a shot a of breath. something, and um, and we're ready to go for the next hour and 45 minutes of the show. And the best part is, like, it can't get any worse than that. No, I mean, besides me and that Kali's here, so she's going to take over and just, you know, we're going to be fine. So Brian can go do scores and stuff like that. So That's we're the good. truth, you guys. That's the absolute truth of what happens in real life. It's real radio. It's live radio, people. It's live. Let's talk about That's it. That's great. Thanks, um, Brian. You're a pal. I do want to talk. I do want to talk about uh, your the uh, the whole idea that you are back blogging. Oh, Come my on. gosh. The resurrection of a long dead blog. <laughs> I saw a post go up and I was like, wait, what? What happened here? Yeah. Okay. So if you guys um, maybe remember years and years ago, I would talk about it on this very show. Yeah. I had a blog called Home to Homestead. And the whole concept is, you know, just like what I talk about when I'm with you all the time, which is how to make your home feel like it's creating something and growing something and preserving and all of those things. And you can really, I really think that you can integrate homesteading properties of self-sufficiency and not wasting and growing things and cultivating into any home you have, even if it's an apartment with just like a balcony or a sunny window. Absolutely. Um, so uh, that was really the whole purpose of the blog. And I talked a lot about, you know, kind of the stories behind my former house, which was on point one three of an acre in the city of Minneapolis and what I did to, you know, kind of institute all of those principles there. So KSTP launches a new show called Minnesota Live in the last few weeks. And it's really great. It's on at 9 a.m. It's co-hosted by Chris Eggert and Megan Newquist. And the executive producer is Mike Marcotte, who you're probably familiar with from Twin Cities Live. And Mike said to me, hey, I want you to do something regularly on this show. And here's my idea. I want to send a photographer to your kitchen every week. And then you just show us like what you're doing, like home to homestead (laughs) on TV. And I was like, well, home to homestead on TV. Well, then maybe then maybe it should actually, maybe exist it should on actually the be home to homestead. And so I said, well, OK, I guess, you know, like the recipes and the things that I do on the show are going to have to live somewhere. Why don't I just start putting them on the blog? And um, so I did. So I launched this blog in 2012, Stephanie, and I hadn't posted anything in probably four years, five years, maybe. And now it's like my weekly thing again. And here's what's fun about it. I'm really enjoying sharing that content. Obviously, you know, that's really important to yeah, me. Yeah. But I'm also really enjoying writing again. And I'm enjoying that's like good. taking photos of things again. And I'm sort of reminded of when that became difficult for me because I kept like adding kids and I was kind of figuring out how to balance everything. And it was a really nice life lesson for me that it is a nice opportunity to kind of think back to like things that really gave you life maybe a decade ago yeah, or two decades ago that really um, brought out the type of person that you are and you had a real passion for. And there's no shame in the game of going, I didn't do that for a while, but now I'm going to try it again. Well, and also, you know, it's like what you didn't have space for, you know, suddenly it's like you had to give it up, but you can come back to it as a better person and make it. And it's like more enjoyable. And I've actually gotten, you know, I mean, you're such an incredible, right? Like you're writing gift is unbelievable that being said i have had i I mean i pale in comparison but i have had people message me and say like i missed your writing and i missed writing and writing was something that i did for fun and that i always thought that i was like pretty good at when i was like in high school and college and all those things and 
and I realized, wow, I did miss that. Yeah. I miss like writing things that are other than sentences I'm going to say on TV. <laughs> and I got to tell you guys, I mean, I know people don't really understand it, but it is hard because we do write in choppy things when we're going to put it on TV, yeah. you know, and there's not a lot of flow. There's not a lot of imagery. It's just very factual, but with a little bit of punch. But there's something I agree with you that writing it out and having these sort of like ability to craft something because you're also crafting your food. And that's why for me, I don't. You know, I prefer like doing a full post of Instagram with a picture and writing it Mm -hmm. than to just, you know, do videos, actually. Yeah, I'm totally with you. So if you want to check it out again, it's called home to homestead dot com and you can subscribe and then you'll get um, if you subscribe and like send then you'll get an email every time a post comes out. And then I put the video from the Minnesota live appearances on there. And I do have to say I'm really delighted with the post this week because I made um, my version of chicken wild rice soup. I know everybody oh. has a version. And I think, you know, Minnesota, it's, of course, like such a classic dish. But I talked a lot about the difference between wild and cultivated wild rice. And we can talk about that later, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And because I'm just so happy. I don't know. I was just really happy to share this information and have people kind of feel like, oh, wow, this is great. And I got a really great reaction from some wonderful people who are hand harvesting the wild rice that I used in the recipe. Oh, my gosh. And my version of wild rice soup is neither super brothy nor super thick and creamy. It's like it's like a hybrid. It's in the middle, and I love it so much. You know what? That's the thing is for me, too. I can't have it be gloppy. I can't have it be, like, super, you know, uberly. Yeah. yeah, I need it to be in that middle space, and I'm interested. Let's talk about that on the second half of the hour. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, whenever you want. Do you want to chat quickly about Willamette, or should we we wait on that one? We can wait on that, too. Listen, we can do whatever you want. I'm here for you. Okay, well, we still have some time before we have to cut. Oh, I'm so glad. Then we can talk about Willamette Valley if you want. Let's do it. Let's talk a little bit about, like, you went to Willamette and did a little wine tasting. I did a wine tasting last weekend in Willamette Valley. And so if you're not familiar, it's right outside of Oregon or it's in Oregon. It's It's right outside of Portland. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we flew into Portland and then it was about a 45 minute drive to um, our Airbnb, which was in a little town called Newburgh. Nice. And it was magical. So my husband during the pandemic got really into researching and collecting Pinot Noir. Yes. I feel like this was his like anxiety manager was to order cases of Pinot Noir. I'd be uh, like, that works hey, out for all of us. guy is here again. Like, what is happening? And then he started building like this wine cellar in, you know, we have a super old house. So we have like a storage room in the basement and he started like ordering all of these racks and then the wine was going on the racks and then he framed some like posters and stuff stuff it's really cute i'll have to show you a picture it's really darling <laughs> oh my god he made like a little wine man cave is yeah, that what you're telling me it's not me? a fancy dancy wine cellar it's, yeah. it's definitely like a, a rustic vibes down there but it is um it's really great so we went to willamette and i surprised him with his two best friends from college and their wives showed up too he had no idea that they were coming but he knew that this trip was this was his birthday gift trip from when he turned 40 earlier in the year and um a few things that were really wonderful number one Wine country in Willamette Valley is so beautiful and it's a lot more low key than doing like a Sonoma or for sure a Napa wine tasting weekend. Um, It's definitely more like agricultural and just kind of focused on driving through farmland. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. What wine country is. Yeah, it is. It's a farm. Hello. Yeah, they're great farms and that's what's going on. We went right during harvest. So... 
people they the wineries were in the middle or just wrapping up a harvest and they are so excited about the 2020 vintage Good. the 2021 vintage they say it's going to be amazing oh this it needs to be because mm-hmm. they have all had such a hard time with fires and stuff like that they are very excited about this vintage and um about the grapes that they were pulling and um and a lot of family wineries out there yeah so totally. uh a few that i want to highlight we went to one called lang which we met jesse lang who's the son of the um of the founders of this winery and he was so interesting because he was telling us when his dad and his wife moved there to start growing grapes people thought he was they were crazy 30 years ago oh my they god they were like this you're gonna grow wine where where and In think about Oregon? how that is now i mean like same thing with minnesota right right it was really interesting it was a beautiful trip and i really recommend if you love wine and you love great food Take a trip. All right. We're going to check back in with that. Maybe we'll name a couple more at the end of the show. Let's do it. We're going to take a break, you guys. When we come back, we're going to see what Hanson's doing in Florida. We'll be right back on the Weekly Dish. Hey, everybody. It's Steph March with Weekly Dish, and I am being joined this weekend by Elizabeth Reese. Elizabeth, are you still there? I'm here. And bonus, we have the actual Hanson calling in. Are you there, Hanson? Good morning. Oh, my God. I am. I'm here. How are you doing, girls? We're great. We're super great. So, Hanson, you are in Florida at Walt Disney Land, I believe. And uh, world, world. I don't know. Stephanie March. Honestly, I know. Stephanie Hanson. She just embarrassed herself. What it's are we going to do here? Too much. It's just too much. I can't. I, I have to it's quit now. A rough I'm morning get for you guys. So I'm feeling for you. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, enjoy your beach trip. Whatever you have going on. There, I know Steph. you're barely. Yeah, it's like okay. So you're there with Matheson and and the Mathesons. And the you are doing fairy the, yeah. the fairy godfathers, and you're doing a food tour of Disney Place. <laughs> yeah. So yesterday was the it's the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, and it was the grand opening of the Remy's ride, the Ratatouille ride. Oh, it's fun! And it's Epcot Food and Wine. So. Yeah. We got there at like 10 o'clock. I grabbed my passport for every country and proceeded to eat and drink our way through Epcot. You guys, I mean, first of all, I had 10 drinks throughout the day. Yeah, girl, get it. That's vacation. Oh, and you know, they're small, so it probably sounds worse than it is. But, you know, champagne, uh, tequila drinks, rum drinks. Beer, ciders, like I just went for it. What is that? That is like a recipe for a hangover. Yeah, I, that feels rough. I, you know, it sounds worse than it is because again, the drinks were small. Yeah, but each country had like something they were featuring. Usually, it was like a beer or a cider, a cocktail, and a wine. So I was mixing and matching all day, which <laughs> none of the people I was with were. But I just want to say the whole group is professional drinkers. Yeah. So I didn't feel out of place. I felt like I fit in just fine. Oh, yeah. And, and you're, just, doing, you're eating and drinking and you're walking. Yes. I mean, I know that it is a lot of drinks. And, it, and probably health-wise, it's, like, not a great idea to consume, like, 1,500 calories in cocktails every day. I mean, but, like, I mean, on a vacation day <laughs> and having fun, it's not like you're bombed on the side of the road, Steph. I right. mean, you're just, like, eating True. and drinking, uh, you know, throughout the day. I think this is wonderful. What a fun thing. It is really fun. They had all the countries, so... Kenya, Ireland, Brazil, Mexico, you know, America, of course, had a big smoky barbecue situation. Um, Japan. Uh, I did go into the store in Japan, and I have three versions 
of Japanese Lay's potato chips for a future okay. testing segment. Okay, and just so you know, I the funny thing is I just sent those to Jake at college. I oh. just put up, I just, because they have them at the cute little Shanghai market, which is near my my house, and I totally found like rose flavored and chicken skin flavored and all that kind of stuff. Ooh. Yeah. Yep, we've got a good surprise when I get back, if I can get them. They I was going like, to say, you're going to try to get them on a plane and like make them last? Yeah. I figure even if they're just chip dust, you'll still get the face. <laughs> I did eat shrimp uh, shrimp crackers for the first time. Oh, love shrimp crackers. And yeah, other than the smell when you opened the bag, which nearly tipped me over, they were quite good as the, you know, drinks were flowing and we needed the little snacks. Yeah. Okay, I never think uh, of, I've never been to Disney World or Disneyland or as Stephanie March says, Disney, Disney Place. Place. <laughs> um, so I, I guess... I haven't ever thought of it as like a real food destination. The thing that I've always been like, I'm not going to do that. It feels like a big production and too expensive. But then the Star Wars stuff started happening. And I'm like, oh, my kids are super into that. We would really be into that as a family. But what is the food situation like, Stephanie? Like, is it a great place to go to eat? So Epcot in and of itself is where the food and wine tour is. And that's where you want to go if you're eating. So when we would come with the kids, or with Ellie, we would go to the Magic Kingdom during the day and then plan on being at Epcot at night because each of these countries has a food stall, but they also, some of them have full-service restaurants. Okay. They have a great entertainment with the fireworks show at night. And so Epcot is kind of the eating and drinking mecca of Disney. And then the Magic Kingdom has okay food, not great, just like your typical park fair. And they don't allow drinking in the Magic Kingdom unless you're sitting down in a restaurant and there's very few that have full service. So Epcot is kind of the more adult, more eating and drinky place and Magic Kingdom's more for Disney. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's, did you do the Ratatouille ride? I mean, I'm kind of interested to see what is that like? Like, what does a ride, a Ratatouille ride look like? It looks like just like the movie, but you're from the perspective of Remy the Mouse. So you're running under tables, and it's you've got like these. Uh, uh, Are you in like in a cart? Glasses on. Are you in a cart, Party? or do you walk it? You're in a cart. So okay. The cart is magnetized, so it's not on a track. Oh. So it's very herky jerky, like you're the mouse, and you're running straight forward, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have to turn and go backwards because the chef is coming after you. Um, at some point, they pop champagne, and you get wet in your face. <laughs> oh, weird! It's really cute and really sweet. Oh, and it's just like you feel like you're in the movie. No it's crazy. way. I love that movie. I think that's like Me one of my too. favorite Disney movies. I just think it's so sweet. Did you guys see Eater National did kind of a celebration of Ratatouille this week just because to kind of like, you know, champion the the opening of the ride. And maybe it was sponsored content. I don't know. But nonetheless, they um, they did this. There's one person who said, I tried to recreate the ratatouille mushroom from the beginning scene and almost electrocuted oh, myself. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was great because I remember feeling like those of us who know like what that flavor was maybe a little bit like, you know, it was like, oh yeah, that's awesome. So I think yeah, that was fun. No, and at the end of the ride, remember the scene where all of the mice and the rats are together and they're having like a big banquet feast? Yeah. At the end, the Remy runs into this room and that's all of his friends are in there and they're all at this big, you know, tables and there's drinks and they're eating and it's like this big mouse feast 
and it just is super fun. It was a great ride. It was very well received. They actually expanded the French area of Epcot in order to incorporate that ride. So there's more crap, more pastries. The first place we stopped on the food tour was France. And, I mean, what amateurs? We probably had, like, 40 things. <laughs> and Jason was like, um, people, we have 40 more stops to make. <laughs> Is it all weekend but, long, or was it just yesterday? It, it's all, it's actually through November 20th. So oh. some folks from Weekly Dish on the Instagram texted me, and they were like, oh, we're going, what's the best thing? I have to say the best thing is probably this French croissant that had uh, escargot inside it. Whoa, I mean, all the good things of France, right? Yeah, and just then, butter. Um, yeah. Kind of the saddest thing was sort of the china. The dumpling was just, the dumpling was fine. The sauce wasn't good. Oh, no. The noodles were kind of not great. So that was a little disappointing, but lots of great food generally overall. So are you doing it again today? Like, are you hitting more countries or are you done? Okay, today we're so full, the idea of even eating <laughs> is making me a little ill, but we're going to Steve Schuessler's, who's from the Twin Cities, yeah. his concept called Boathouse. Yeah. Um, that's a seafood restaurant, and it's on a lake, and they have, like, Chris Crafts hollowed out that are the booths. It's real cute. Oh, that's um, nice. So we're doing that tonight, and then tomorrow we have some kind of a VIP fairy godfather situation where they're taking us to all the big rides at all the parks. Like, a guy is leading us. Oh, wow. I don't know. Okay, that's yeah, really so fun. Just, yeah, I was like, are we going to get to do the Star Wars ride? He's like, of course. Are we going on Safari at Animal Kingdom? Of course. Like, oh, my gosh. Just, Jason and Colin are going to leave their jobs, and they're going to be relocated <laughs> to Florida, and they're going to be tour guides, and people are going to pay, like, them so yeah. much to get to do this experience because... Their version of doing Disney sounds like the version that I would be interested in doing. I know. Oh, you guys. And you have to... Okay, so at like 5.30, someone came over to him and said, can we get our picture taken? And I was like, here, I'll take the picture with you. They wanted a picture with him and Colin. And I was like, oh, are you from the Twin Cities? And they're like, no, we're from Palm Springs. <laughs> they had no idea that they were TV people. Yeah. Oh. They like, just were fairy they godfathers, just were right? They from the fairy godfathers pod, pod, podcast. Okay, yeah. that's amazing. That's pretty Isn't great. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So I was like, oh, you got recognized. And she, she had no idea what I was talking about. Okay, that's really she funny. Just recognized him from the podcast. So <laughs> that was pretty fun. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I know. And so you guys yeah. are a big bunch. And are you staying on? Are you staying in the resort or do you stay outside of the resort? I don't know how that works. No. There's a, there's Disney has a swan and a dolphin hotel. And that's where we're staying. And it's nice because it's pretty convenient to Epcot. But anywhere you want to go in the park, there's buses. You know, it's a magical place. They really do a great job of making you sort of suspend day-to-day things that you have to think about. So there's transportation. Everywhere you go is beautiful. There's smells everywhere you go, like gardenias. And it just really feels like you're in this beautiful place. And we've only seen one couple fighting, one lady who was, um, very intoxicated and had to be led away in a wheelchair as she was taking off her top. Shoot, and, dog. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, Welcome to Florida. She was wearing like a Minnie Mouse costume while she was doing this, yeah. by the way. Okay. Yeah, well. And then various children melting down, but that's to be expected. Yeah, well, that's we, anywhere you go. We hope you have a great time and we cannot wait to hear more stories when you come back. Thanks for calling in, Sista. And, yeah, um, super fun. Thanks for holding down the fort. Sorry, it was a rough start. Oh, we, we got it. Be careful for the gators. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right, you guys, oh, we're going to take indeed. a quick break. 
And we're going to come back with the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. Give us a call, 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Steph Marked with Weekly Dish, and I'm here with Elizabeth Reese today. Good morning, friends. And we are so excited to have you guys along with us for the bumpy and spectacular ride. Keep all hands and feet in the car at all times. Um, we are. It's the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, yo. So give us a call, 651 651- 641-1071 or you can send us a note on the Facebooks or you can give us a call out on the Twitter because I'm at what am I? I don't even know what I am. I'm St- I'm at Steph March on Twitter. What do you know? That's great. I know. Isn't that great? Yeah, I don't, I haven't looked at Twitter in a long time. I know. i am kind of been a little bit um, yeah, I'm taking a little bit of a lighter break with Twitter, mm-hmm. you know? I feel good about it's saying just, sayonara to it. Yeah, it's it's a little, it's rough. Yeah. It's rough. It can be rough. I know it's a place where a lot of people go, and they, a lot of people connect in great ways, and I do love it for that. I like it for the show, for the chit-chat, you know, aspect of it, and the, you know, connection, but overall, it kind of vexes me a little mm-hmm. bit. I hear you. So there you go. I hear you. Um, hey, I did, if no one's going to call in, or if you're still going to call in, go ahead. By the way, Brian is back. I just want you guys to know. This is great. Brian is back. Um, hey, Brian, can I put you on the spot and ask you a food question? Yeah, let's see. Because you're here in a food show, so you kind of need to kind of, you know. You need I got to gotta get with it. You, you know? got to show up. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you this. What is your favorite burger? Favorite burger? Do you love burgers? I love burgers. Okay, what's your favorite burger? Like toppings? Or no, just like, like where do you go for your best? Like where's the place that you're going to go for your favorite burger? Ooh, if I'm in Minnesota, for sure, Culver's. Okay. Culver's. Um. Out west, you know, out like In and Out. Are think, you an In and Out guy? No, I think it's overrated. Oh, excellent! Uh, You're on the team. Yeah, I love In and Out. Oh, I'm, see, I'm yeah. fine with it, but I just don't think it deserves to be like vaunted as it is. I think no. Culver's is better. I would get a butter burger. Yeah, every all time. Day. Double deluxe, yeah. babe. Yeah, I'm here for <laughs> a butter burger too. Oh, I yeah. want some bacon on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Double yeah. deluxe with bacon mm-hmm. is the move. Get it? Yeah, but it, that's that's good stuff. Okay, Brian, you're on the team. Hey. Welcome Thanks to the for show. Me. Thanks for coming. <laughs> um, okay, since we're going to have people call 651-641-1071 if you're feeling it, yo. But otherwise, let's talk about something that kind of dropped this last week. I don't know. Did you read Pete Wells' uh, review of 11 Madison Park? I didn't, but I'm interested in hearing about it. Okay, so here's the interesting thing. Now, 11 Madison Park, this is all New York food media stuff, but nonetheless, it's very interesting because of, I think, sociologically, the situation with it. So, okay. The, the deal is 11 Madison Park, you know, Daniel Hum, this was, it's a very sort of one of those restaurants that sort of sets a tone for the way foods, you know, fine dining is in the country. Okay. And he announced that when he would reopen up after the pandemic lockdowns, that he would be doing, and there's like $300 tasting menus. You know what I mean? Like this is seriously fine dining stuff. Yeah. He was going to go totally vegan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, I do remember him saying, I remember this. Right? And people were all like, whoa, you know, earth-shaking, you know, news. And it was like, it made all the news and everything else. And I was very much like, well, that sounds good. You know? I mean, I'm never going to go there. But, you know, mostly because I'm not going to get back to New York and pay 300 bucks for, for, you know, tasting menus Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. But um, he said, the big thing was, was that he... Um, he said he thought, you know, it's time to do something. He's like, I don't see how we can open back up the same way. So he wanted to do this differently. So it was kind of this thing. And of course, the vegans, you know, the people who have been plant based for so long were a little bit cautious because it seemed like a sort of a publicity stunt. Okay. Right. So here we go. And he did say that he was like, but we're not giving up our traditional techniques 
we're just going to use vegetables instead. So everything is super fancy. Like when you look at the pictures of what they're serving, yes. it's all, I mean. It's it's not molecular. I wouldn't go molecular gastronomy, but I it is that thing where they craft food into these like almost like dioramas. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, a, it's an experience each time. Mm-hmm. So. So uh, some people have gone, you know, and I think what happened was they invited a bunch of people to come, you know, a lot of influencers who gave it, you know, just all the gushy love that they love to do. And I think that what happened is is everyone was kind of like, but a lot of people on the side were kind of saying it's kind of weird. So Pete Wells went and because he's, you know, the New York Times food critic, he does um, a good job of going a number of times and, Mm -hmm. you know, eating all the things. Yeah. And his review dropped and he was very much like, is this what we're looking for? Like, he was very sort of like the idea that they're trying to take vegetables and make them do the job of fish and meat. Yeah. And they're robbing the vegetables of their beauty in and of themselves. Interesting. And this is the point that I think a lot of plant-based people who don't want, like, for instance, our friend Allie Kaplan, who is coming on the radio, actually, after a bunch of weeks off. Uh, she and uh, Shop Girls will be back today. But she's someone who I bring with me on vegetarian eating things because I like her perspective. And one of the things that she's always said to me, she's like, I don't really go in for the Franken foods. I really just want a veggie burger. Right. Like, I just want a vegetable. Like a burger that's made out of vegetables. Vegetables. It not a burger that's trying it to It doesn't be have to bleed. Meat. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's sort of the essence. I think that's where what's t- interesting to me is that the culture of the vegans or the plant-based people has been that they've moved into the mainstream, right? And they've kind of become more mainstream and it's more about health and innovation and saving the planet and... So in a weird way, they kind of have to keep their like hot stuff reputation going. And I think that's what some of them are thinking. But I think the real vegetable eaters are like, you know what? We're just happy with the good stuff. Like yeah, a carrot. And, and those are challenging statements to make. I mean, you have to remember, you know, there's there's more nuance to saving the planet than saying we're just going to all eat vegetables. Yes. Because when you start digging deeper into that, you can learn that. I mean, I would go one step further. And from the place that I come from eating, it is the saving the planet is in is is in regenerative farming. It's not in just not eating meat because every time you harvest something, there's a cost. Right. There's a life cost that happens. Mm -hmm. And um, and and really, when it comes to like, what is the what is best for the earth and the soil? It is that symbiotic relationship between well-raised animals and plants and how they can all come together. So I, I don't, re- well, you know, I'm I, probably going to get emails, but like, I don't like that, that one note. Well, it's, if it's vegetarian, it automatically saves the planet. And that's, that, what, that's not good. That's where context matters, right? right? I mean, context matters. And that's also where, if you read the review, and I would love for you to kind of dig in and read his review a yeah, little bit later, because he, yep. he brings it up. He does the exact same thing. He says, here's what's happening now. When you take a restaurant like Daniel Hum's 11 Madison Park, which of course, only supported these small family farms, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, they're not out there with commodity pork. He, right. He's like, he's not doing anything by stopping his delivery of pork from commodity. He's not getting it from commodity anyway. So right. they're just going on as they will. What he's doing, unfortunately, is pulling it from these small regenerative farms that are actually creating a healthier ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And if he pulls it from these farms, if we stop getting meat from these farms and then they turn, they have to do something like sell their farms, where are they going to sell it to? Developers. And what are, and like he said that the suburbs are actually the, it's the spread of, you know, of developers is actually what is taking away from the good 
balancing environment. It's and that's because we're losing farms. That's what Pete Wells had to say. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. I like that he's having like that more nuanced conversation because mm-hmm. I just um I, I yeah. I it's think hard. demonizing meat as being the enemy of the environment yeah. to me is problematic. It's, and I'm speaking as a person who was vegetarian for four years. Yeah. Simply because I couldn't I didn't have access to and couldn't afford meat that was raised in a way that I um, that I felt that was in wished. line with my values. Right. And we talk a lot on here about how, you know, I don't, and I don't, like, like I said, vegetarianism, I think is a cool gig. I'm not against it. And I think if that's your choice and, you know, I think it's like, it's, and actually there's so many great vegetable dishes these days that the chefs are really working towards. Like, for instance, I like the idea of what's happening right now in the veggie forward movement. For sure. Like is, plant forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't, you don't have to have it be about the hunk of protein, the center plate i never really want that right i don't want i love my proteins but i don't want that to be the overwhelming you know flavor on the plate i want there to be other things and for instance when you go to like cardamom you know and i had this beautiful burrata with you know cauliflower around the edges like that to me is a vegetable dish that is surprising and different and it's not just the same old oh we're gonna put some burrata with tomatoes and basil because that's what we know yeah you know it's like there was cauliflower in this peanut sauce and i was with burrata and i never would have put the those two together and it was it was transforming mm-hmm. and i thought if we can do more of that and then have like a little protein you know on the side and still have it be humanely raised and 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 do all the right things i think that's a way better well it's funny because i always go back to um my farmer you know if you know your farmer yeah. it's a really great thing and um karen weiss is uh she is the farmer behind littlefoot farm in afton and i just bought half a hog from her it's in her freezer i gotta go get it you gotta like, go get i gotta it. go get it like tomorrow yeah and um <laughs> And she says, and she has said this to me many times, she says it seems funny coming from a person who raises pork, she raises heritage breed pigs and sells them, but eat less meat. Eat less meat and eat better meat. That's my plan. That's the plan. And so, and that's coming from someone who raises pigs. Um, But when you, you know, when you know where your food comes from, whether it's plant, animal, any of it, any product, mm-hmm. you are more connected to it and there's more transparency and there's a greater responsibility from the person who's making it. You yeah. know, anytime we're just like consuming stuff that's sort of in this big factory veiled by, you know, whatever, I think we're missing out. I do too. I do too. So that's the lesson we learned from this is that it's not all about, you know, the flash and bang of hype. There yeah. should be context behind it. Context so. matters. Context matters, people. I made a whole t-shirt about it. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. You guys, when we come back, we have the whole second hour ahead, which is a lot of fun. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071.